Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale, and I'm joined this week by Dr. Richard Kelly, our lecturer in theology. And today, our topic is going to cover uh, the next course that Dr. Bruce Kelly is going to be rolling out uh, here pretty soon, and it's going to be on the Triune God. And so today, we kind of want to just talk a little bit about uh, the Trinity, uh, some of the issues and major questions surrounding the Trinity. Uh, and I think maybe you know a good a good place to begin, uh, Dr. Bruce Kelly, is um, why should we even study the Trinity. I mean, don't we know how this will end? You know, uh, <laughs> it will just end in sheer frustration and, uh, we will, we will really be able to grasp very little of this. Uh, uh, it seems almost like an exercise in like, you know, mortification to say, I'm going to study something that I know, uh, is not where I'm not really going to get at a satisfactory answer to my, to my longing, to my questions and all these things. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, it's definitely an exercise in futility um, <laughs> in the strict sense. If what we mean is uh, we want to come away having understood God's interior life, right? Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. what it is to be God. We're, we're not going to understand that. Yeah. It's inaccessible to us, right? What we understand about the Trinity is A, that god is triune mm -hmm. because this is revealed to us um and we understand who the persons of the trinity are we understand that the um that the trinity is that there's a oneness in god mm -hmm. right not a plurality of gods right uh and that the persons are distinct from one another in some kind of relational way Right. Right. Uh, and that this is God's basic mode of existence. Right. That from eternity, God just is this way. He's not composed of things that come together to constitute him as if because that were the case, they would pre-exist him. Right. right? right. Um, and he doesn't sort of he doesn't kind of just turn into a multiplicity of things. Right. Right. That's not a, exactly a correct description of what of what happens in God. Um, he just is this way from eternity, right? And so what theologians do is try to find ways of talking about these facts about God. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot at stake, right? And and there are, there are ways in which we could try to articulate the Trinity, which would lead us down paths we don't want to go. Um, <laughs> Right, they would end. They would end in heresy, and then there are ways of talking about the Trinity that seem, you know, sort of to to give us some, some kind of something rational to hang our hats on. Right, it gives us ways to, ways to think about God that make some kind of sense out of the mystery to us. They're not explanations. Right. Right, but they're they're just ways of of us trying to approach the the mystery. Yeah, and I think this is important for Catholics on uh, kind of uh, two two fronts. Uh, the first is, you know, the more that we can study the Trinity, the more we're studying about and, and kind of looking into uh, um, the, the nature of God, because we're not just called to have 
uh, a personal relationship with Jesus, although that is a, a very important part is to have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, while I'm not a particular fan of that phrase, uh, um, I you know, there's truth to each of those words in describing uh, uh, our relationship. But, you know, C.S. Lewis in several of his writings, I know he talks about uh, a three-personal relationship. That, you know, our yeah. our communion with God is uh, it should not be reduced to a personal relationship with Jesus, but that we're we're called to have we're called to enter into this life, and grace makes it so that we enter into this life with the Father, with the Son, and uh, uh, with the Holy Spirit. Um, right. That it's this, you know, the as C.S. Lewis says, you know, the three personal relationship, and so the more that we can, you know, enter into that, I think the more rich and uh, our uh, spiritual lives and our prayer lives can be, but also in uh, our work of evangelization, this is the kind of the second front that I think it's important to study the Trinity, uh, um, is because we don't want to discount or we don't want to to set aside, you know, two persons of the Trinity uh, um, in our catechesis and our evangelization, um, but really show. Uh, uh, the unity and then therefore, you know, the beauty of the Trinity uh, and the life that we're called to enter into uh, through grace and through baptism. Uh, so I think, right. you know, for, for our listeners, those, those two things are so important. Why, why it is that we will uh, uh, begin this exercise of, of somewhat uh, futility, but uh, of great spiritual, I, I think, wealth that we can uh, get from it. Right. So I think, uh, one of the things that we want to to kind of discuss, right, mm-hmm. is is that what we're talking about with the Trinity is is the way God is in Himself, right? Yeah. Um, and and I, the problem, of course, is that we can't really know that, right? <laughs> we we can in this life we can't have that kind of that kind of apprehension of God's uh, of God's essence, but. But we can know that it is the case, right? Right. We can know that it's the case. But yeah. there's another – now, what I'm talking about here is knowledge, right? What we're talking, The kind of knowledge we're talking about mm-hmm. is a theoretical knowledge. We can't – that's not the kind of knowledge that we, can, that we can have of God in this life. Right. But we can have other forms of knowledge of God, right? When we talk about faith, faith is a kind of knowledge, right? It's not yeah. – it's not a purely abstract thing. In fact, faith is of its nature very personal. Mm-hmm. Faith is is ultimately um, trust, right? In in God, it's knowledge of who God is. If you see what I'm saying, right? Yeah. God reveals Himself, disclosed Himself, and we receive that. We we believe Him. We believe God in His self disclosure. That that's really what faith. What faith is, right? Um, it's, so, so through that that supernatural exchange where God reveals Himself and we receive, uh, born in us, right, mm-hmm. is is an awareness of of who God actually is, of His of His identity and His intentions, um, and that that's what faith that's what faith is. Through that apprehension of God in faith, we perceive some reality of his triune nature right again we can't understand it at a theoretical level but we can but we can encounter it we can experience it in some 
in some way, right? So when we're baptized, we're baptized into the Trinitarian life itself, mm-hmm. right? And this is really the this is a critical thing because very often when we when people today think about the Trinity, they get hung up on you know the gender specificity of the language, Father and Son, <laughs> and they fall into heresy very quickly, yeah. right? So, I mean, if this is a thing you really care about, I think you're just going to have to find a different religion or something. Because um, because if you, try to impose, if you try to impose this problem on God's own self-disclosure, right, mm-hmm. um, you're going to end up with very, very serious implications. Dr. Bolzakelli, are you saying that, you know, God is, um, that God is really male? Or no, of course, yeah. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying God chooses to disclose himself as Father, right? Father is the name he gives uh, to to this person of the Trinity, right? In the way that he he discloses himself to us. Son is the name he gives to this person of the Trinity, right? To this person within himself. And when that person becomes incarnate, he becomes incarnate as a male human being, right? And this is it, it's it's interesting that this is the case, and I think we need to try to uh, come to grips with with something of what is being taught to us by God about Himself in this way, right? Yeah, and um, and, but, and, I'll, and I'll make I'll make a, a, a quick note here for our listeners. This is hugely important because I I can tell you um, uh, I have a a little quote in front of me. Uh, from a textbook that's used in a a, a children's text a religious education textbook series, um, and when it is talking about uh, the Trinity, it says this: God is Father, but He isn't man. We could call God Mother too, because mothers as well as fathers give us life and protect and care for us. But God is neither male nor female. God is God beyond gender, race, or any other human category. Uh, you know, and it's so. I mean, like the the this kind of idea of when we're talking about the Trinity to begin with these, uh, trying to explain away some of the things, especially the the title that Jesus gave us. You know, yeah, uh, right. That that should hold some sort of. We shouldn't try to explain away a title that. Uh, that uh, God this, himself gives us. <laughs> yeah, that God himself gives us, and say, well, we could call him Mother too. Mm, yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, right. I, so, I, I guess I mean, look, you, I guess you thing. could, but <laughs> on the face of it, the statements made in the textbook are true. They're metaphysically true assertions, right? right? I mean, like, yes, yes, God is beyond gender and all that. Okay, yeah. Like, nobody, nobody really seriously contests that claim, right? And and in in the Bible, there are important points that one has to make, right? I mean. We do have to recognize that in the Bible, there is, first of all, some ambiguous language regarding uh, regarding the spirit, regarding um, the concept of wisdom mm-hmm. uh, sure. in relationship to God, right? To what does it actually refer? It's a big question. Um, <laughs> you know, in the Old Testament, it's not entirely, it's not entirely clear, right? Um, and... 
you know, there was a, a really excellent uh, article done several years ago in Letter and Spirit. I don't remember who wrote it off the top of my head, but it, it's about uh, references uh, to the spirit in the feminine, mm -hmm. right, in, in, um, in the Bible and in patristic uh, literature. And great. I mean, that's that's all fine. And also we have to recognize, too, that the... Um, uh, that um, God is described, right, the form of God's love for humanity is described in Hebrew with the word uh, rahmim, right, which is a word that derives from a woman's womb. Mm. It's, the it's the love that a mother has for her children, right, mm -hmm. um, where she... She nurtured the child in her womb for nine months and then at her breast until the child was weaned and right, she she's the, the nucleus she's the, the hub of the family, right? Yeah. And she seeks the reconciliation of all the members of the family, um, regardless of any regardless of any harm done, right? I mean she's always seeking to restore relationship. Um, and this is this is the the word that's this is a word in Hebrew that's used to describe the way God loves humanity, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that's a hugely important thing. So no one's no one's you know here to say that God is you know sort of male in the way that you and I are, are male, but I think we have to recognize that there's no way to avoid um, accepting God's own titles for Himself. Yeah in in revelation i think we we just have to we have to we just have to be able to say that that's uh that's okay right yeah yeah but here's what happens when we try to avoid it okay we've seen disasters like this happen <laughs> uh so i remember when i was an undergraduate now this was i i'll date myself here but i council of trent somewhere i, I enrolled there. in college in 1987 <laughs> graduated in 19 91 and i i remember even then even then this was this was actually a controversy at mm. the time what do we do with you know god calling god father and son can't we say instead this was the idea that god is um creator redeemer and sanctifier oh right? yeah 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 people used right? to thing... were baptized by that well they had to right. be so eventually that's right. Eventually, you got to this point where people started baptizing in the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sanctifier. And this came up as a controversy addressed by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith mm -hmm. several years ago now. And so a dubium was eventually sent asking whether these baptisms would, would be considered valid. And of course, the, they said no. Yeah. Right? they would not be considered valid and therefore they had to be um they had to be baptized anew yeah. under the correct formula so the you know the cdf didn't explain theologically why this was the case right why could why would this not be a valid form of baptism but um it's not really the cdf's job to to offer the theological uh, explanation right there's sure. It was a yes or no question. Is yeah. this, is it valid or not? They said no. Now, okay, 
I'll tell you why it's not valid. Okay, I I, I can do that because I I'm I'm a trained theologian. I I get this. I yeah. I can answer this question. It's not a valid form of baptism because God is creator, not in Himself, but in relation to us. Hmm. Right. If yeah. He chose not to create, which I guess He could have done. Right. I mean, like, yeah, we the church teaches that God does not emanate us of necessity, right? Of any natural necessity. Yeah. He wills us into being. And in fact, in in the um in the creation narrative in Genesis, right, the word bara is used, which is a word that we translate it as create. God created. Right? Um, but in fact it, it means chose. Mm, will interesting. Selected, yeah. right? Uh, that's a really important idea. God is not of necessity creator. Bound to create, yeah. right? It's, yeah. So that this is something he chooses to become creator in a sense, right? This is a guy who can become anything. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 he chooses, right, to be creator by creating. Mm-hmm. He chooses to be redeemer by redeeming. Yeah, he, he didn't have chooses to. Yeah. to be sanctifier by sanctifying. But this is not a description of how God is in himself. It's how God is relative to us, which means if we baptize in the name of the creator and the redeemer and the sanctifier, we're not being baptized into God's own interior life. We're being baptized into a relationship that remains external to us. Yeah, it's almost right. like a form of modalism or something where we're just making reference to one aspect of God's work, not necessarily. Well, that's true. That's, who he that's is. another part of the pro- that's another part of the problem because you could baptize in the name of you could baptize in the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sanctifier, and be a modalist, right? Yeah. You could. Yeah, yeah. Now, but it, it may be possible, right, that the person actually thinks there's some trinitarian idea of God. Mm-hmm. But what you've described to me in saying creator, redeemer, and sanctifier remains relationships that are external. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I, and I think the, the, the other— The point of baptism is that we come to live in and through and by God's own interior life. Yeah, and I think the other part of that is you're, you're also choosing to reject the words of our Lord. He said— Yeah, that's at, a big problem. Yeah, the end of Matthew's Gospel— Baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, again, like you said in the beginning, you know, when we when we look, especially at the the words of Christ, we should, uh, while they may be you know difficult because of cultural context and things like that, that doesn't mean we 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 don't set them aside because they're culturally difficult. You know, uh, as a catechist, I just think, well, we just need to catechize better on them. You know, even in even in catechesis right. with with terms like father, you know, people are saying, well, you know, if people have bad experiences with father, uh, maybe that's not a good image to use because people will think that uh, God is absent or God is this other thing. And I and I'm completely the other way. I'm saying, no, we need to catechize on what real fatherhood is. That's right. That, that you know, that. If if something is if something is deficient, that means that we need to put extra work into it. 
and, and so in the work of catechesis, if if fatherhood is is something that it, the the understanding of fatherhood or even a proper experience of a good father is something that's difficult, we need to catechize more, catechize better on it, um, because Jesus Himself tells us that God is Father, uh, uh, and to not just simply, oh, this is this will be difficult for my students, therefore I'm literally uh, uh, going to uh, use a different term that is not scriptural, that is. Uh, and, and in, in essence, you know, reject the words of our Lord. That's that's a huge problem. <laughs> yeah, it is a problem. And, and it's a problem that really, um, you know, it's part and parcel of today's sort of secularized understanding of virtually everything, right? <laughs> including including religion and faith. Yeah. Um, so you'll hear people say very often, right? Usually having something to do with the um, with gender theory. Mm. Um, they'll say something like, "My God, blah blah blah," right? <laughs> My God has this view. My God has that view. Like interesting, right? Because if my God has a different view, that means you and I are actually worshiping different gods, right? I mean, like yeah. we're they're not the same. Uh, unless the one God disagrees with himself, which I, I think is, but that can't really that's happen. That's an absurdity, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's an absurdity. So, um, and and like right now, as we speak, right, what's happening? The Methodists are undergoing a schism over this very, over this very issue, right? Yeah. About God's view about gender theory. But um, anyway, so the point is that if I become the reference point, if mm-hmm. I, what suits my sensibilities that that becomes the reference point about what I can accept or reject in God's self revelation. Uh, Now I've have, I have a real problem. Yeah. So I think as far as being authentic to Christianity, I mean, you could decide that you just, you don't want to be a Christian. I guess that's, that's a thing you can do. (laughs) I don't recommend it, but it's a thing. It's a possible stance that you yes. can take, but if you want to actually be authentically Christian, the safest route to go is to start by accepting what God reveals. And I think you hit on this point earlier, and I think it's uh, um, uh, it's a point that brought when it was made to me, it brought uh, clarity, relief, and you know some assurance in my own faith and understanding. Was I had a mm-hmm. a, a good Dominican professor tell me once. Um, we were just talking, it was a class on, what was it on? I think it was the, it was the sacraments and, um, we were going through, uh, just kind of our understanding and things like that. And he, and you had mentioned this in the beginning with the similar language. And he says, you know what, you know, while we can't understand everything about how, who God is and how he operates and how he chooses to. Uh, justify and sanctify us um what we what we do know is that it works so and mm-hmm. he says for example you know baptism uh do we know how baptism like how it works on the soul and all this stuff do we know how all of these things no i mean not really i mean how is it yeah. that you know you can you're 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 spiritually more close to somebody that's baptized than you are, say, an unbaptized relative. You know, you're yeah. you're 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 ontologically more close to that person than you are a blood relative that's not baptized. Like, how is that? I don't know. 
And and you know what that but but I don't put my faith in all of these hows, uh, and yeah. and I put my faith right. in that that it is, um, uh-huh. you know, does baptism? But why? Because just... I believe the one who reveals it to me. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the um, so this is actually this is an important issue that I was getting at, which is that there are two different ways of questioning right mm-hmm. within Christianity, um, and. And I think it's important for a proper theological understanding of things, right, to, to, to be able to see this distinction. One can question ad intra or ad extra, right, mm-hmm. from within outside of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that today our tendency is to begin by questioning ad extra. Yeah. In other words, that we, we're beginning with what would be called a hermeneutic of suspicion. Yep. Yeah, we're yeah. beginning with doubt, uh, and we're saying, we're saying um, that doesn't make sense to me as the reference point, right? In my judgment. Yeah. So I, so I will suspend belief until such time as you can explain it uh, to me in terms that I find. In the worst case scenario, um, that I find to be compelling to believe, right? In other words, that I, what I mean by the, the apodictically certain that you sure. demonstrated to me like a mathematical proposition that I have to believe this. Uh, at that point, then I'll then I'll accept it. But until that time, <laughs> I suspend my judgment. I, I I think it's not the case. That kind of questioning out extra is. I mean, it's literally, it is outside the faith. I mean, you're, yeah. that posture is a non-faith posture, right? Yeah. Uh, and you can't do theology that way. Yeah. And even, I remember right? Pope Benedict even talks about, you know, it's it's kind of this uh, this idea that unless I have direct knowledge of something, then I'm not going to believe it. I mean, that's, it, he said, he says, you know, you, you, you wouldn't be able to live your life if that was the case. I mean, think about it, for example, if... In order to use the gas pedal or the brake pedal on your car, you had to know exactly how the brake pedal, when you push that, how did it stop the car? I'm not, I'm not going to push the brake pedal until, until I know exactly how it stops the car. No, that's, I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, nobody, hardly anybody would, there would only be mechanics on the road, which would be absolutely frightening. Um, cause they're horrible uh-huh. drivers most of the time, but, you know, <laughs> but, to, but to have this idea, uh, like you said, like that's, that's how, you know, people are approaching the faith from this hermeneutic suspicion, or even just this, uh, kind of secular skepticism where, uh, um, the burden of proof is on you to prove to me exactly how this works, or I can't, I can't believe it. Not that I won't, but right. I can't, you know, I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. You, you, you make, you, you would, you don't live any other area of your life in this way, um, and yet you put this high burden on, you know, uh, right. uh, on this other thing. So it's yeah. And let me tell you that if your relationships um, have descended into that state, they're in real trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, like if if you want to talk about if you want to talk about having a relationship with God, we want you know this is the discipleship language of today. Sure. It had better begin with uh, a foundation of trust, right? That I, I believe God, yeah, and I I may wonder in Him, right? But I don't, 
I don't like really God. Is that what you're telling me about yourself? Because I don't know <laughs> if I really. Yeah, I mean, seems what to if, me things are different here. Yeah, I mean, what if I? Yeah, I mean, what if I started dating my 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 wife? You know, uh, when we started dating, and I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I don't know if that's true. If she tells me something, reveals something about herself, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's true. I don't know. Uh, like if, if that was my approach to everything she revealed about herself, um, that would, that would be horrible. I mean, it is, it's very much, you know, in order for that, in order, and and that's the other thing in order for that growth to take place, you know, yeah, there's going to be some skepticism at the beginning, you know, you know, maybe if when you're dating your wife, she tells you something that's just completely fantastical or something like that. And you're like, Oh, I don't know that, you know, but it, but if that's your disposition, it's going to be very hard to grow in 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 love if there's not that trust that what the other person is telling you is true, you know. And mm-hmm. when when we take that uh, uh, stance with truth himself, then I mean, yeah, yeah you got a big problem. Yeah, you got a, You got a big problem, and and it's not a problem on the side of God, you know. Right. <laughs> As right. is most the case. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, the classic formulations, right? Um, I believe so that I will understand. Yeah. Right? I believe in order to understand or faith seeking understanding. Sure. These these formulations describe the basic theological disposition of um questioning ad intra. Yeah. So this is a question driven by wonderment, right? It's a question yeah. that arises from the position of belief. Um seeking the wisdom in what I believe because it's revealed. Yeah. Right. So in other words, I don't understand this thing that's being said, but I know it must be true. So um, let me try to understand it because I'm sure my life will be better if I can come closer to understanding this thing that's true and being told to me, by someone I trust who loves me, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The greatest good <laughs> of all. He seems to think I should know this, um, so I'll try to understand it as best I can, right? Yeah, and, I mean, and that's the, the the best. I think the 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 best example, if you want to put uh, uh, two figures, is uh, you know Mary and Zechariah, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. You right. know, <laughs> they they say. In, in both the stories of Zechariah and Mary, they say something very similar. How can this be? Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. but apparently they're 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 completely different. You know, and I think that's a, a a good illustration. One of them, you know, Mary is saying, "Yeah, this is you know, this is great. I accept it, but I don't understand it." Um, yeah, but she's accepting right. the the, so- the facts that are given to her. Where it seems as, as though because of the consequences that Zechariah is saying, uh, I don't know no, about that. Yeah. Yeah. So Zechariah, Zechariah is actually he's saying, uh, how can I be sure of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> how can I be sure of this? What Mary is saying is, how can this be? Mm. Right? Um, or how is this How is this to be, right? And then, so, and her uh, question then is about herself. How can this be since I, not because, like, right. yeah, not even, like how can God do I, this, you know? Right. Given that I am Andra Uginosko, right? I am one who does not have any intimate knowledge of a man. Mm-hmm. 
how is this to unfold, right? Because yeah. obviously it's not going to occur in the ordinary ways. Whereas Zechariah, he's actually not faced with that particular problem, right? His own pro- his problem is that his he and his wife are up in years. Yeah. Right? So it's not like a... He's not even faced with what seems by all accounts to be a metaphysical impossibility at the natural level, right? Right, right, right. Um, but it's just sort of a health condition or something. <laughs> and he says, and it's and it's how can I be sure? I mean, how can I be sure that what you're saying is true? Mm. Right. Whereas Mary's not asking a question; she's asking, "How is this going to occur?" Yeah. You see. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it presupposes that it's true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like you said, that's that's the proper place for for theological, you know, uh, uh, interest in, in doing theology proper is beginning from that place of fidelity um, mm-hmm. and, and asking those questions. OK, if this is the case, how can it be? OK, if, you know, um, baptism does what it says it does, you know, what the what, what Christ has revealed and what the church teaches how does this happen? And then, you know, that's, you know, that's a proper place for exploration, but to begin with, you know, well, I I think we should, you know, be, you know, changing, you know, looking into the form. Well, what about this other thing with that? You know, like, again, like it's a completely different disposition, not, and again, not just the issue at hand. We're not just saying, well, let's look at this question, but, 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 when you're when you're questioning something that has been revealed like that, you're also questioning the questioner, or you're questioning the the one who revealed it, uh, right. which is a problematic disposition to have uh, um, when faced with God. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, you know, if you, I mean, just think about the person who is um, just obsessed with this question about talking about God as father and son yeah um, and wants to reconstitute the baptismal formula to to match his own sensibilities he's really concerned about you know well what can I how can I address this this problem of um, of how I feel about God or something yeah. right um, and and really, your bigger problem, okay, your bigger problem is that you're separated from God. Yeah. And and baptism is solving that problem, okay? Yeah. So, like, how you feel about, like, you actually have to adjust how you, I think you just need to adjust how you feel about God if this is the case. Because you're, you, I mean, look, the, uh, this may be politically incorrect uh, to say, okay? That's but, right. We do that all the but time. But the classical Christian position is: if you're disconnected from God, from God's own life, you have a catastrophic ailment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay? Uh, that that needs to be healed, all right? And the way it's going to get healed is is through baptism, right? By Closing that gap between you and God by being taken up into God's own interior life. That's going to fix your problem. And if if you have some gigantic hang-up about um, how you feel about this God who seeks to prevent you from going to hell, 
Um, you are the one I think who needs to to adjust. Yeah, does that, that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've and and I've had that experience. I mean, where you know, at some point, and I think in the mature Christian's life, when if they're struggling with different aspects of the faith, and again, I'm speaking from from experience as well. You know, when you're struggling with these things, at some point, I think the 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 mature person has to come to the understanding that the problem is not with what God has revealed, but the problem is with my understanding. Um, that's right. That, that, I, mean, a, I mean, that's a, that's a big place of humility, which our, our world currently lacks a lot of. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a very, <laughs> I think, difficult position for a lot of people to get to. Um, but at the same time, like that's the only place that, that yeah. you can begin to, uh, 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 begin to understand and to look into, uh, um, these, these really deep questions and and topics that have real consequences, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, like the study of the Trinity. Um, as we've been talking here, you know, when we talk about the Trinity, you know, the, the, the aspect that also comes up obviously is, you know, the things concerning, um, salvation, you know? So, I mean, when we say, you know, why should we study the Trinity? Well, because it is of utmost importance. Yes, uh, we will not be able to satisfy, you know, uh, uh, and have this complete understanding. Um, but at the same time, uh, we so we won't know all of the hows, but we'll have a little bit better understanding of, of understanding and have, have our faith be built upon the understanding and the, the, our, at least, uh, uh, intellectual certitude of that that it is um that that it is the way that god has said it is uh and here i can explain it a little bit you know so i I think you know in a class on the trinity i mean we're you're you're dealing with you know not just just you know kind of these um things that are outside of the usual catechesis or things that are outside of people's questioning or thing, but it, but it's, everything is wrapped up with the, with the topic of the Trinity salvation, you know? Uh, um, uh, and then how God saves, why God saves, who God is, you know I mean? All of these, you're, you're really addressing the most fundamental, uh, questions, you know? And again, these are going to be questions that we, that we began with and fundamental theology. Right. uh, So the image of God, right? Yeah. Humanity made in the image and likeness of God. Right. So that's discussed in the creation narrative. Right. Yeah. And the first thing that God, the first thing the narrator in the story says about the image and likeness of God in humanity is male and female. He created them. Mm. Right. So, Yes, I mean, we could talk about the Imago Dei, as theologians have in the past, as being rooted in rationality and all that. I'm not Mm -hmm. denying that that's a valid understanding of things. But we have to be honest with what we actually read in Scripture. Prima facie, Mm -hmm. right? The first thing that's said about humanity made in the image and likeness of God is male and female, he created them. And, and, And we're... You know, this is where God, the word for God throughout that entire story is Elohim, which is a plural term, right? And the fathers, the fathers uh, very commonly read the the creation narrative as already pointing in the direction of the Trinity, Mm -hmm. right? They said, um, God, 
right? The Father created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light, right? His spirit, the Ruach uh, the, the, the Ruach Elohim of, of, of God was hovering over the waters, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a Trinitarian view right there in the story, according to the fathers, right? Now, yeah. we can argue about um, about whether, you know, that's the right way to, to read the minds of the uh, human authors. Sure. But I think... I think it's entirely legitimate to say that the ancient Jews had an understanding of God as interiorly plural, mm -hmm. right? I, I think when the word for God is Elohim, uh, and, you know, for example, um, Philo of Alexandria, you know, you, says that the, the number three is the number of the interior life of God, the number of the divine power. He's, he's clearly God. You, you have evidence here of of a God who's seen as, I mean, the, the idea of God as Trinity is not, um, is not a distortion, right, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of what's revealed in the Old Testament. It's just a, yeah, and even, a further clarification of it. And even using that image language that we are made in the image and likeness of God, you then go to St. Paul, who calls Jesus the image of the invisible God. He is the right. image. You know, we are made in the image. He is the image. You know, so... Um, you know, just so much is, is, is packed into, is packed into there again for us to explore, you know, and that's the, that's the right. fun and part about how for the, theology. How about it informs our understanding of what we are as human beings. Yeah. Right. And how we ought to relate to one another, the male and female relationship, uh, the, um, you know, the, the creative love yeah, between the husband and wife. Right. Uh, that, that kind of thing if if we throw the Trinity under the bus because it offends our contemporary sensibilities or something, we 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 jeopardize all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think also even even if we say, well, you know, I don't, you know, we don't throw away the Trinity or we don't set it aside. But even if you downplay it, I think, um, and and particular uh, um, focus is taken away from the Trinity. And sometimes it's not done. Be, it, it, you know, it's it's not done because people say, well, I don't, I don't like the Trinity or something like that. A lot of times it's, it's done because there is that lack of understanding. I don't know what else to say about it. You know, many times mm -hmm. that's why we don't uh, always uh, catechize a whole lot about the Trinity or our explanations are, are kind of explorations. They, they're kind of just very superficial um, because we don't know a whole lot about it um, or our own understanding. And I think that's why it's so much more important to uh, um, uh, to, to have this, uh, uh, to, to be able to look into the Trinity, uh, you know, what does it mean for, you know, God to be, uh, you know, sovereign? What does the sovereignty of God mean? What is, you know, I mean, some of this, you know, I know is getting into more maybe philosophy of God, but when you get into, you know, the, the divine processions or something like that, mm -hmm. or, you know, like you said, just diving into the, 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 the different relationships that are there and how are they related? How are they united? Um, uh, so much of this, uh, I think is beneficial, not, to, not only for our spiritual lives, but also for our, uh, um, catechesis and explanation of the faith, you know, even to our kids. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, you know, salvation, right? The, yeah. the idea of the Trinity is, is caught up in our whole understanding of salvation. And that's true. If you look at in the story of the garden, right, the first thing that God says about the man is, 
it is not good for the man to be alone, mm. right? Or for the man to be cut off, alienated, merely himself. And then at the end of the story, after sin, God looks at human beings and he says, behold, the man has become one alone. That's literally what it says, right? The mm. man has become one. Yeah. The man has become alone, right? Merely himself. The very thing God had said at the beginning was bad, that it's not good, right? Is what becomes of the man actually after sin. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you think about this, right? Here you have the image of a person cut off from community, right? Yeah. Um, think of a child without a family. Yeah. Right? And in need of adoption into a family, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's the family, right? This is the this is the set of relationships that yeah. pre-exists this child and into which the child is being invited. Right. That's that's what's happening in baptism, if you think about it that way. Yeah, and I think, you know, when when we talk about, you know, the the mercy of God, you know, a lot of times we'll focus mm-hmm. on that and we'll sometimes that'll go askew <laughs> or many yeah, many times it, it goes that way when we start to start to talk about the mercy of God. But I think one one proper way that we can that we can look at the mercy of God is to to is to say, well, the most merciful thing that a God could do if his creation found himself in the place of Adam like that, being alone, is to give us a, a sure way to salvation, mm-hmm. um, which is baptism. And, you know, and that's why the church teaches that baptism is necessary. Um, uh, you know, again, while God is not bound to the sacraments, he has bound salvation to the sacraments uh, for us. Um, you know, it would be unmerciful if God were to say, well, just kind of flounder around, do your best, and hopefully you'll be saved. No, he, he gives us a sure way to, to a, a sure remedy uh, to solve this. Um, and, and, and so, again, this, this, when we look at all of these, uh, uh, all the other aspects of theology, whether it's, you know, sacraments or grace or mercy or anything like that, they can all tell us uh, something more about who God the Father is, who uh, Christ is, uh, uh, who the Holy Spirit is, uh, and, and I and so I mean I think also in the in the study of theology, whatever discipline you're studying, uh, that we need to in in our in our own thinking I think when we study these things we should take them back, uh, uh, back to who God is, back to the Trinity. Uh-huh. So right. whatever it is you're studying. Take it back to God. Take it back to the person. Don't simply uh, um, kind of uh, um, don't simply let your theological wonder end with just the topic at hand. But take it back to uh, the one who is who is doing it, the one who said it, the one who uh, is accomplishing uh, uh, this work. Uh, um, I, I think that's so important, and and not just again for your own spiritual life, but I mean. Many times, I think in catechesis and evangelization, we 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 need to try to help people have kind of a, a big picture view, um, mm-hmm. so that when they come to some understanding, everything else can kind of fall into place. Uh, everything else follows from it uh, um, uh, in a in a. 
beautiful and organic way. Um, but you know, in your own reading, when you're, when you're, uh, so I just want to encourage our listeners on this point, uh, in your own reading, when you're studying any other aspects of the faith, uh, take them back to, to, to the Trinity, take them back to, uh, uh, who God is. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, so, uh, Dr. Buzakelli, any, any, uh, final thoughts, any, anything, uh, else you want to tell us about your, your upcoming, uh, class? Well, I, I want to leave maybe the, uh, listeners with, um, with an image, right. To try mm-hmm. to understand what it is that one does when trying to do theology about the Trinity. Okay. All right. If you're a parent, right you will you'll have this experience you take a baby into your into your lap right or into your arms you're holding the child so this is say a child who's old enough to engage right not a newborn baby but mm-hmm. someone old enough to engage and you know how children when you hold them in your lap they'll they'll kind of just look at you yeah they'll look at your face they'll look all over your face and they'll they'll reach their hands out, right? And they'll just start touching your face, okay? And they just and you know they're kind of smiling and, and they have this look of sort of wonder and amazement mm-hmm. about them. Mm-hmm. That's your child looking at you, his his father. Mm-hmm. Um, he believes already, right? He yeah. doesn't. He's not looking for an explanation that satisfies him so that he can accept that you're real right <laughs> he he accepts that you're real yeah and it's wonderful and he's he's just he's just wondering yeah yeah you know that that's that's the way that's the way trinitarian theology is to be done i think yeah beautiful i think that's a very prayerful image that we could take uh take to heart uh and and think about uh uh, in whatever it is that we're studying, uh, because, you know, like we said, it, it all has the, it all goes back to the Trinity. It all has to do with God and his plan for salvation. All right. Well, I th- want to thank our listeners for joining us today. I want to thank Dr. Bruce Kelly for, uh, bringing this, uh, to our attention. I hope all of our listeners will, uh, uh, check out all of our content along with, uh, our upcoming course in, uh, in the Trinity, uh, or on the Trinity with Dr. Bruce Kelly. Uh, at catholicstudiesacademy.com. Until next time, God bless.